podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Hello there and thanks for tuning in to the final episode of the season from the Glasgow Screen Podcast, aka GigPod. In the next half hour or so, we'll discuss yet another mauling from Rangers, the painful acceptance that we really are second best to them and we can no longer make any excuses about it, and of course, the occasional highs, but mainly many loads, of bringing GigPod back for the first time since the 2017 hiatus. I'm Stevie, and I'm delighted to be joined by John Statue Builder Reed. Hello, John. Hi, Stevie. Hi, everybody. It's great to be back on GigPod, and we're great time minutes after yet another sensational Celtic performance against Rangers. It's the sort of Sunday that Morrissey and the Smiths would sing about in the old days. Let's try and get through this, John, as best as we can. Now, it was Rangers 4, Celtic 1 earlier. A game defined in six turbulent minutes in the first half. Mohamed El Yunusi hits a shot, which... Al McGregor tips onto the bar. Rangers go up and score through Kamar Roof. Cal McGregor is sent off in the process for a stupid lunge on Glenn Kamara. Amazingly, we find ourselves level through Edward before we started panicking that we're actually in a decent position. We revert back to type when Brown, Ayer and Bain are all culpable for a Morello strike which somehow goes in. Roof and Defoe score in the second half to record another comfortable win for Rangers over us. Now, John Kennedy's won three games and eight since taking over at the end of February. John, we expected Rangers to be on a downer after getting out of the cup last Sunday. We expected maybe to sneak a win. Again, purely down to the luck of probability that we were just due it. It wasn't anything about Celtic as a team being more coherent. But no, once again, we lost and we look like idiots. Celtic, they've just done it again to us, haven't they? Well, I don't know, but you... But we, does that mean you? Because I didn't really expect us to win the day, to tell you the truth. I mean, I wasn't sure if we'd get, like, a comprehensive defeat, but I just had no confidence in this Celtic team going to Ibrox and winning, even though Rangers would have been on a downer after that hilarious defeat they had last week. I just, with John Kennedy in charge, who might have many qualities, but being a first-team manager and wondering about these players that have let us do time and time again this season, I just couldn't see he's gone Ibrooks and winning. I was just concerned when we went down to 10 men that we might get like a real hammering, like 5 or 6 win. I mean, four's, four's bad enough, but I don't know. If Rangers were able, it could have been worse, but that really just shows that, again, look at the chances we had. It's, I don't know, it could, it's happened so many times against Rangers this season. We miss great chances. They take their chances. We get guys sent off stupidly and okay, I don't know it's, I'll just be happy when this season's over and done with Did we not talk during the week and we were saying that we expected to maybe sneak a result or if I, was I speaking to someone else am I losing my marbles has this just taking its toll on me because I was positive I was speaking to you about it uh, hold on I'll just check my texts <laughs> no because we were just talking about how I was so busy moving house this week that we didn't make a prediction about the game it may have been the fellow podcast legend Spunk phone. 
I think Paul Fisher for the Grand Old Podcast, we were talking about it in a group chat last night, right enough, that we expected Celtic to just sneak it. And again, it was nothing to do with us being better than Rangers, man for man, or having a better strategy. It was simply just that we were due it. And again, that, that's <laughs> it, that's just what it was down to. It's it's sad, and that was our only justification for it. But once again, we just look like utter, utter clowns. Well, we've done that before in the pod this season. We are bad predictions, but no, I just couldn't see this Celtic team going to Ibrooks and even putting up a fight. I mean, hopefully when they go there again, I don't know, they'll probably make it one of the first games of the season. The wonderful fixer computer will magically put us at Ibrooks like the third game or something. I mean, hopefully we'll put up a decent fist date and like take our chances for once. But no, I mean, this Celtic team... It's unbelievable, really. In 12 months, like 14 months ago, you were thinking we were going to Ibrooks to practically end Gerard's reign as manager with a comfortable win. Then, of course, that game gets cancelled, and now, 14 months later, we're in a huge rebuilding job. Stephen Gerard was actually saying before the game, he watches a lot of Celtic, says we're a good team. Then right away, that's a lie. <laughs> I don't know where he's getting that one from. He says... With all due respect, they've got weaknesses, especially in that back line. So he's done his homework right away, which is more than what can be said for our management. Stephen Gerrard said he wanted to put two men right up against the centre-halves and cause us problems, and that's exactly what he did. You try and Kent continuing to do what he does to Scott Brown. He's just an absolute nuisance. You had Roof, Morelos and Kent just hassling our defence all afternoon, and we couldn't cope with it. John... Last season, under Neil Lennon, if we were getting into this fixture, as you say, we would have been comfortable in it. We would have been going, I fancy us, you know, to come away for Ibrooks with three points or a draw at worst. You weren't getting into games against Rangers, dreading it over a year later. It's just incredible in the Manny's decline from the top down that we are, you're not just saying as if it's like there's an edge to these games. Rangers are winning these games comfortably. We're not putting them under any major pressure. They're not really... Apart from the game in January, where you could maybe say in the first half, yeah, they get away with a lot. But I'd say the game in March as well, when we conspired to miss countless chances. Possibly, but they were after. I mean, they were half pissed, and then they played Slavia Prague, and they were done after what 50, 60 minutes, and they were still laughing after it to come away for Celtic Park with a draw. I think maybe I've seen people talk about this before on uh, social media. I think a game which, in hindsight, was a big sea change was that League Cup final. I think we may have talked about it in this pod as well. I mean, they dominated us in that game and we've no won a derby since then. They've either been draws or they've won on them. I mean, okay, we all think that if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would have went to Ibrox and won uh, last March, but that didn't happen. And I think we've played seven derbies, six or seven derbies since then, and the best we've got is, I think, two draws, or one draw even, so, I don't know, lessons were they learned, and I think, like, I mean, we were probably overconfident, I think the board at Celtic were probably overconfident, their fans, I'd say, probably were confident we'd make it 10 in a row, I mean, back at the start of the season, we, be, we both thought we'd win the league, I think by the time we made this glorious return to gig pod, we were sort of wavering a bit, but... And we spent a lot of money in the summer, summer as well on players that were supposedly meant to be good signings. It's not turned out that way. But, I don't know. I always said in this podcast it would be a lot more difficult to win 10 in a row than I think we all thought. 
but I just couldn't see Celtic being so useless to be out of the season finished in March. That is just poor. And as you say, I mean, every time we deal when the and fixers get announced next season, they'll be desperate to play us again. And I just hope that if it's Eddie Howe or whoever has got us mentally fit enough to go to Ibrooks and put in a chart a performance worthy of a Celtic team. Because the ones this season, even if we've played well in spells, they've not been worthy of a Celtic team. I think one of the big telling signs for me that I've started not to, I guess, accept because I'm still raging after every harrowing result and dismal performance. But, John, you've known me for a long time and yes. regrettably for <laughs> you, of course. But how often, John, for the audience that don't know I mean, I'm always predicting us to win 5-6-0. and six now. You knew what I was Constantly. like. Constantly. And I've been doing it far less, haven't I? Yeah, you haven't even done your usual, like, oh, we're going to like, hammer teams. Even dare we say it when we play Diddy teams, we, you haven't predicted us to hammer teams. St Johnston are probably going to be favourites against us next week, and that's not hyperbole, that is a shoot. <laughs> I mean, right now, they're <laughs> more tactically well-drilled and uh, efficient than we are. That's just me being honest. I mean, they went to Ibrooks. We'll touch on St Johnston in a minute. I want to make a, a point about that. But I mean, they went to Ibrooks. They had a plan and they set out to frustrate and stifle Rangers, whereas we just played right into their hands today. St Johnston are going to come to Celtic Park. They'll play the exact same way that they did at Ibrooks. We are going to struggle to break them down. And I can honestly see, at best, a draw against them. What's happened before we drew with them? I think November, December, when we made that dreadful runner, like two wins in 11 games, it still wasn't bad enough for Lenny to get sacked. But there just doesn't seem to be a plan at Celtic. It's like the, the, the club's in like a deep freeze and we're just waiting for something to happen. We've been waiting for this Eddie Howe appointment for ages. And I don't know, if I was him, I think he'll take the Joe Bone for the challenge. Because I think he'll see somebody like Gerard and Brendan Rodgers, of course, like done a good job at one of the Glasgow clubs. I'd imagine Gerard will get a gig in England. Probably not as high profile as Rodgers, but he'll probably get a job at a sort of mid-table premiership team when he leaves Rangers. If Eddie Howe does well with us, the same could happen with him. That's just the norm these days. We're probably a stepping stone, even though we're a big, huge club to a, a job in England with a bigger budget. But if I was Eddie Howe, I'd be wanting, like, guarantees a huge money. And, like, that he's going to get all his guys brought in with him. He's not going to get MD that's currently at Celtic as part of his backroom staff. I mean, that kind of be a deal-breaker for the job. Because if he's watching that in the day, he, he'll be thinking, this this rebuild is absolutely gigantic. I think it's even bigger than the Martin O'Neill rebuild we were talking about uh, earlier. It's just... Massive, and I, I always thought at the end of this season there'd be a lot of changes at Celtic, but I think we all thought we'd be changing it, going to try and win 11 in a row, but we're going to have to make loads of changes when we're in turmoil on the pitch, and we, there's no guarantee of fans next season, still, at the start of the season. I'd imagine Eddie Howe's going to be appointed soon, I hope he is, but if I was him, I, I wouldn't blame him if I was thinking, I don't know if I want to take on this massive challenge, because it's just... Unbelievable that Celtic are in this state, really. It depends on the type of manager as well, doesn't it? And the type of personality and character they were. Because I know that 
I'd saw a few comments on social media where people were saying, of course, Eddie Howe will take over. Look at what Martin O'Neill had to inherit, okay. But Martin O'Neill, okay, that Celtic team finished 18 points behind that Rangers team um, in 99-2000. But let's remember that was a Rangers team that, John, we're both old enough to remember that was a good side. I mean, you had guys like Van Bronckhorst in that team. You had Alberts. But you even had, what, Kinchelskis and all that playing for them too. You had Arthur Newman. I mean, these guys were in the semi-final for Holland in that World Cup uh, a year before when they signed. So that was a good Rangers team who even pushed Bayern Munich all the way in the Champions League in two legs. They beat PSV. They get knocked out on penalties by Dortmund. But they weren't mugs. Martin O'Neill had to come up. And of course, we had a nuclear deterrent in the fact that Henrik Larson was still in our books. And that was a major, major thing. We still had the makings of a good team there. There was Stylian Petrov, who, yeah, of course, he wasn't in brilliant form. Martin Neal transformed him. Paul there were good players. Yeah, indeed. There was a good spine there. You had, uh, you'd still had Stubbsy. You had Johan Yelby too. You know, of course, Martin Neal had to still bring in Valharan and uh, Chris Sutton. And I worked wonders with Didier Agatou. But there was a nucleus and there was a spine there, John. Whereas with a Celtic team, I'm, I'm just looking through that team. And one of the things we made a note of today was talk about pass marks quite simply wouldn't give any of them pass marks. I don't think there's a leader in that Celtic team. People are saying, you know, Callum McGregor for the next captain. This is going to be a big one now for Callum McGregor, what happens with him, because he's in the, the moment in time, sorry, where Scott Brown had under Brendan Rodgers. Now, whoever comes in with Callum McGregor is going to have to really transform him and his playing style the way that Brendan Rodgers did with Scott Brown. And you're going to see how apparent that is uh, early on. Like Scott Brown demonstrated what he was going to be about under Brendan Rodgers in that Beersheva game, the 5-2 one, where he was absolutely fantastic. And you could rightly say, oh, he's back. Cal McGregor's going to really have to step up if he does stay at Celtic under the new manager and show what he's going to be all about and what his game's going to be because he's, he has actually got away with murder this season. And I know that he's, you know, when you're putting Cal McGregor next to Scott Brown, he's doing double the work. And you're taking away, as we've always seen, the attacking qualities of his play because he's having to mop up more but John let's be honest as well Callum McGregor has been a massive massive disappointment for us we're talking about pass marks and he's probably one of the, the most disappointing players for us this season Aye he's been really poor I mean he started off no bad but I think playing alongside Brown didn't help because I mean that was just sad today but Scott Brown it's a shame it's endless oh, oh that's for nobody he's remembered for he'll be remembered for everyone else because if this just wipe this for the memory, but no, I mean, I don't know about McGregor. I mean, I don't know if Celtic can afford to sell him. I mean, if we got offered a, like some ridiculous bid, like 15 20 million, which I have my doubts, like then it makes logical sense probably to sell him. But we can't sell everybody, and he's no one that's contract, I don't think, runs out like next year or anything. So even though he was poor the day, I think and He'll have to stay for the rebuild because we need some experienced players. I mean, the midfield's going to be like decimated as it is. So I don't know. I'm hoping all these guys are going to have a point to a point to prove next season. But then you just don't know if the malaise is so deep now. I mean, I think if like Eddie decided not to leave, if he decided he'll stay one more season, even though we wouldn't get any money, I think a lot of people would be like, no, won't need to sell him. We kind of lose that money, and even though he's scored 20-plus goals this season, he's just not been up to it. Because Celtic are a business as well. Exactly. And, I don't know, maybe I to a lesser extent, although, I don't know, he had a weird game the day. I mean, he was, at least he didn't do that celebration thing you hate when he does a tackle. But, uh, 
it was weird because he gone forward. I thought it was excellent, but in defence, he was just abysmal. I mean, I think he'd rather play in midfield, but that can be with Celtic. He really was lousy with that second goal and all turning his back. That was just you can't do that against Rangers. I think the plan is for McGregor to be the captain next season, and I think you'll probably need to stay. Uh, would I be against selling if the money was right? Probably no, but we need some sort of spine and experience in the team, and like we don't know who's going to be in goals next season. We don't know who's going to be the defender. We're not really sure who's going to be midfield. Maybe Turnbull, McGregor, Sorrow up front. Who knows? Like a J. E. Maybe Griffiths. Maybe all my doubts there. But no, I think we're probably need to keep a hold of McGregor. But I just hope that he. Uh, his performances next season improve massively, and maybe I don't know Eddie Howe will do for him what, as you said, Brendan Rodgers done for Scott Brown. But yeah, John, you were talking about pass marks. They, I think we're both in total agreement. There was none, not one player. I would, I would actually say, deserves anything from us in that respect. No, nobody turned up. Uh, no, <laughs> it was a, a day to forget and a season to forget. John, that was our tenth game against Rangers since Brendan Rodgers went away. We've won three games drew one game, and we've now lost six. We haven't beaten Rangers this season at all. We are clearly setting best to them, John, and that's solely on the hierarchy at the club who have allowed this decline to happen basically since May 2019. John, we both thought that Rangers would have ran out of steam and they were missing Hollander and Balogun for this game, yet, again, they ran out very comfortable winners once more. Will it be a relief to be gaslit by Celtic for the last time like we were today? Yes, I mean, obviously it's sad this is the last gig pod of the season, fans out there, but don't worry, we've got our special end of season extravaganzas coming up, featuring a cavalcade of special guests, but more on that at the end of the show. Oh, bye. yeah, of course, just what I say, Boys Analytics has signed up for April. Sensational. So that means I'm doing August, September and May. Those three wonderful months, I think, or August and May anyway. But, uh, Certainly August and May, yes, September, I believe... Is Hamish Carton? All right, my old pal. Aye, uh, okay, I'll do. I'll do August and May. Those great months where the season started and ended. But you never know. I might be able to talk about Eddie Howe's appointment in the May one at least. But uh, no, I mean, I don't know if it's Manny's decline we've been through. I've seen that phrase a lot. I think it was probably just more complacency, and I don't think the Celtic hierarchy ever thought Rangers would firmly challenge us again. And after what happened the last couple of seasons. You can't really blame them for that. Obviously, it was stupid to think that the Rangers would never challenge. But then, look at the way they just, after the break last last season, they just completely caved in and didn't provide a challenge at all. And I think maybe they, the hierarchy at Celtic thought that would, the same thing would happen. I mean, Lennon did win as a league last season. We'd signed a load of players who the manager, I think, wanted. The squad looked good at the start of the season, but... I don't guess my decline and it's like the world want Rangers to like be in the same leagues as I think it's just sort of bravado when we thought we'll go and make it 10, 11, 12 in a row, they'll never stop us and it's caught up with us and we need to take our, take our medicine as you say. Well you say it's not managed decline John but they were happy just to let Lennon take that team into free fall when it was obvious since I would say the end of October that it wasn't working no, and I, think, were... I think they firmly believed they could turn the round I said that like on the pods back we done back then I think they firmly believed in them uh, 
that was obviously misguided and everyone knows that, but I think they genuinely believed, based on what he'd done in the past, that Lennon could turn it around, like he did all the way back 10 years ago. A lot of my mindset was basically on Rangers doing what they did in the last couple of, win- uh, last couple of breaks, when they went to Dubai and then after the winter break, they were swept up in their own complacency and we took advantage. But it was going to be different this season because obviously that winter break wasn't happening. Well, it still happened for Celtic. We still waited. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bunk Phone will cover that one in January. That'll be hilarious. Yeah. But, I mean, it's all right, John, for fans like us to say, hi. That'll be, that'll be what Angels will do. That, that's what we're counting on. But, you know, when you're running a football club, as we've even seen, Celtic are more or less a business now. You can't, It's got to be about what we do. And a lot of the board probably were banking on Rangers doing something stupid. And to me, that is the fact that they didn't take any responsibility. And, you know, they never once, everything was basically in our hands to change things. Everything was in our hands to stop the, the decline and nullify it far sooner. And we just, that the board just let it sort of get to the point where you had people complaining and there was apparent rights. Even I think that the word rights was a bit over the top because I don't think it, it was ever that case. It was just serious dissatisfaction more than anything mm. and frustration was being vented. But the board let it get to that stage and then they just doubled down on it and basically started making out as the people who had been funding this squad and always will continue to fund the team and line their pockets were nothing more than entitled Neds and it just got people so bitter and disillusioned with the club and that was a major, major turning point I would say because they were just so stubborn about it they still maintained I think that Rangers were going to self-destruct and do something stupid as I said John it's okay for fans to think that because we've got the you know we're not running the business and it's not in our hands but when you're at the very top You've got to make sure you're one step, or certainly getting one step closer if you can't be one step ahead of them. And we never did that. We just, honestly, that board, all they did, that board did was actually make sure that we were always taking more steps back than going forward by keeping Lennon, Kennedy, Strachan all in place. And this is now why we are where we are, to the point where we've been gubbed 4-1 off Rangers. <laughs> Not really, as you can hear, that angry about it. We're just exasperated and it's got to the point that it's just a complete relief to make this the last time that we're talking about the Celtic team who, sadly, for all they've achieved, John, aren't they going to be remembered very fondly when it comes to the legacy that they've left after this? No, that's the thing. They're not going to be. I mean, in like years to come, when you look at Wikipedia and it says like Celtic won four trebles in a row, people think, oh, that must have been amazing. Imagine living through that. And a lot of it was amazing. First season especially, that's why the best season in Celtic's history, the year we've done the first treble under Rodgers. But no, I mean, I think a lot of this squad will end up, I don't know about disliked, but no remembered well. I don't think Neil Lennon, despite his campaigns, my campaign for a statue will be remembered. That <laughs> I don't think Neil Lennon will be remembered fondly for a while. I mean, just I just can't see that happening. I mean, I doubt Peter Lowell will be remembered fondly. Maybe some websites will remember him fondly. But no, and Demet Desmond as well. I mean, it's so weird. This is probably the most success Celtic have had ever since we've supported them. I mean, like, they didn't even win a treble until I was 20. And look, they have won four in the last four years. But it just feels crappy because we've made such a complete mess of this huge season. Maybe if it wasn't 10 in a row, it wouldn't feel as bad. But then it's 
being 23 points behind Rangers is never acceptable. So no, it's just a shame the way he's ended up with this unbelievable period of success. Trophy after trophy is going to end with so many of the people associated with it not being remembered fondly, but that's just football for you. And hopefully hopefully in 10 years we're all, we're all remembering how brilliant Eddie Howe was that takes the Celtic back to the top. John, as I touched on earlier and want to get into now, you know, St Johnston last week against Rangers, don't know about yourself if you watched it all, I did, because I had a feeling after the first 10 minutes, I just knew that I thought St Johnston were going to get something. I even said it on the account at half time. I said watching St Johnston under Callum Davidson uh, is night and day to what it was under that Boar, Thomas, Tommy Wright. I mean, St. Johnson had a plan and they just stuck to it. They stifled Rangers, they frustrated them, they stopped the fullbacks bombing up the pitch and essentially they just forced Rangers into making stupid mistakes and that is how they got their equaliser and eventually got through in penalties. Now, as I said earlier, we played into their hands. We learned nothing from St. Johnson's performance despite having you know mammoth-sized resources compared to them. Do we really think like we're above looking at how other clubs set their stall out against Rangers and we only play one way and one way only, which is, you know, the Celtic way under Kennedy, whatever the fuck that style even is, I can't understand it. But <laughs> I, look, I'm just saying, if that was me in that position today, I would have been studying how St Johnston played and trying to emulate that as much as possible. After 10 minutes today, I think the first three minutes, we had a decent wee sort of spell uh, getting into the box a couple of times, but you could tell that... Rangers were controlling that in the opening 10 minutes and you knew the way it was going to go and St Johnston are a team that are more trusted going to a place like Ibrox getting a result ahead of us and that is just the level we sunk to it's so so sad I know I mean I would with Celtic have looked at St Johnston maybe but I would imagine Norbert have had their own ideas although I don't really know what they were today either Rangers midfield loads of space seemed to be one of them which was inevitably a mistake it is a pity that a team like St. Johnson, if like you were picking a team to get a result at Ibrox, you know, you'd pick a team like St. Johnson. You'd pick even, dare we say, a team like Aberdeen. Can I believe I said that? Mm, too far, too far. St. Johnston, John, know the roles. Each player know the roles, know how they're set up. I mean, even today I saw Edward right back covering that lumper with uh, John Joe Kenny. John Joe Kenny was like in, in centre midfield or something. This is at one point glaringly in the first half. And I'm like, with St Johnston, when I watch them, they just have all their players sticking to their position, knowing their role, know exactly what they're meant to do, and they're a cohesive team unit. Celtic are nowhere near that. It's just unbelievable. I know, but I, I think if we tried to play the way St Johnston did, like keep men behind the ball... And hitting the break, it would probably still end up badly because I don't think our players are suited today. I mean, they couldn't have done Europe this season for a start. So I think whatever whatever we were going to try today, it wasn't going to work because unfortunately, at the moment, on the line, the Rangers are a better team than us. But I know we tactically should have been better, but I don't even really count these results because John Kennedy is not going to be the manager after next after a week on Saturday. I don't know, I, I would, I'm not surprised really that St. Johnson done better because St. Johnson had a smart game plan and our game plan was, I'm still trying to work it out. I mean, even St. Johnston, John, had an outlet with genuine pace and Michael O'Halloran. We've not got any. James Forrest, yeah, but he was nullified and it was a tough game for him to be thrown into after his injury. Michael Johnston was chucked on in a weird 
desperate cry for help from Kennedy, who surely now has to look at himself, caretaker, manager or not, and accept that his management of this team has been negligent. I personally don't think he should be allowed to carry on at the club after this. I don't think they owe him anything anymore. John, I know this is one of the things you wanted to talk about, so run away with it. It really can't be easy when it's held to for anybody. It must just be miserable as any. If it's miserable for the fans, I know the players don't feel it as much, I'd imagine. It probably can't be much fun for them either, or MD Walton there, even Kenny. Miserable for us trying to record this and bring some joy to fans, but we're incapable of doing it. We've got a great banter with the players, haven't we? <laughs> no, I mean, Kenny has been great. I mean, that game against Dungeon United where we drew, I think the alarm bells were ringing. We had to stop Rangers. We talked about it in the pod directly after that game. That memorable episode when we were both miserable and ranting. I mean, that was to stop Rangers winning the league. They like they won the day before. We couldn't even do that. I don't know. I think a lot of people were fooled with that six nothing win over Livingston. That Livingston team that haven't really turned up after the split. Uh, I think a lot of people thought we were going to win that game in the cup. I'm not really sure, but we did as well. I have to say, we both thought we'd win it, although I did think it would go extra time, but that didn't really go to plan either, and the day was just dreadful, and I think it would be best for Kennedy for a, a many reasons if he departs at the end of the season. I think he really has, to, if he wants to be a, a manager, he really has to try and do it on his own, away from Celtic, and try and build his managerial CV, and you know that if he does well, we're like, let's say he manages somebody like Hamon, like even though he they just sent the manager sent a new contract. Let's say he manages a team like Hamon's level or a team that's in, in the championship, like and got a championship team like promoted and they like they survived and like prospered like something like Levy. If he done a sort of Livingston type thing, then he he would have proved that he's a good manager and you know for a fact he'd be linked to the Celtic job and. Even by then, he'll have showed that he's got some sort of credentials to be the manager. So, no, I mean, I don't think he should be there at Celtic. I don't think uh, Stratton should be there either. I mean, Darren O'Day and Steve McManus, they're like youth team coaches. I've not got any problem with like, if they stay. If they're doing a good job, they can stay. But, no, I mean, for many reasons, it's best for John Kennedy. I think to move on at the end of the season... And like start his managerial career at a different team. I mean, I saw there was a, pa- a thing in the paper. It was in the papers. It must be true, of course. The other day that we wanted to be director of football, or something. But he said that wasn't the case. That that hasn't been like mooted or anything. And that I don't think would suit anybody. If he was the director of football, it'd be like people would think he's like the Celtic boards man, like foisted onto Eddie Howe. And no. It's best for all if John Kennedy moves on at the end of the season and starts his managerial career at like a lower level club. And who knows, maybe in 10 years' time, if he's proved himself to be a good manager, he could come back to Celtic. But no, 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 it's time for a clean slate. Yeah, indeed. And John, just before we talk about next week's <laughs> major announcement, we've got two games left. Now, I'll, again, I don't predict 4 and 5 no wins anymore. I don't even predict Celtic wins anymore because I said to Etienne Bojan when he was on for a shoot pod, which was episode 43, I believe, I said, but we aren't going to get 12 points from 12. There was not a chance. Uh, since that, we have Drew with Aberdeen. We've been gubbed 4-1 by Rangers. We have St. Johnston at home and Hibs away. 
we're not getting six points from six. What do you think? No, because the Hibs might have something to play for. I mean, if they lose to Aberdeen in our next game, that'll go down maybe the last game of the season. Eh, who finishes third? St. Johnson, I don't maybe depends on how they go in the semi-final next week, which of course we're not in. But eh, no, I'd be surprised and if, if we get six or six, and I think the players are probably just desperate for this season to finish as much as we all are. Remember, Livingston also rested players against us and get a draw, so... <laughs> That's right, so they did, so they did, so they did, that's right. So no, I, I, four points, maybe. Hopefully no zero, I mean, that would be just a, they put the tin lid on it. Really wouldn't shot me though, it actually wouldn't shot me. No, I mean, no, I think we'll probably get a point at least against St. Johnston, I can't believe I've said that. I don't think, I, I think St. Johnston have a chance of actually scraping the win against us, but I think we could beat Hibs, seriously, that's my shoot. Think St Johnston could beat us. Depends if they've, if if have get third place sewn up and they're in the cup final as well. They might just rest everybody. So no, I mean I, I think we'll get at least one point out of six. Hurry! But this will all be forgot about next season when hopefully we're we're back where we belong and we can do a celebratory title winning podcast for George Square and Nicholas Sturgeon can take tweet us and tell us we need to leave. There's a major announcement next week. We thought it was going to be something to do with Edward Howe, but. Turns out that it's likely to be another Adidas kit launch from Celtic, so <laughs> silver linings, I guess. Uh, uh, hurrah. Indeed. Although, are we going to do a podcast special if Eddie Howe is announced? Yeah, if Eddie Howe is announced. Of course, this is our last one of the season, but we will dust off the mics and we'll... <laughs> we'll break the glass. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be far more enthusiastic as, you know, this season, but it's 13 more days until it's officially over. But for myself and John, this is going to be the last episode of Gigpod. John, I just want to say, though, even though Celtic are bringing out new Adidas kit, we both know that I'm probably going to end up buying about a grand's worth of it, don't we? Yes, you will. You will. And you'll look fragrant with your sensational hairstyle and your sensational new Celtic tracky. Thank you, brother. <laughs> now, of course, Gigpod did indeed come back after their hiatus in 2017. And for the most part, you know, this is where I might have to get a wee bit sentimental, even though there's no room for emotion apparently in podcasts involved with Celtic. But it really has been sensational. As I keep saying, the, the Twitter account is just a small part of Gigpod. It really doesn't do it justice when we look at the, the downloads and the numbers and subscriptions. It's unreal. I think it either must be forums or word to mouth. I don't know. Twitter's just a tiny part of it. Um, but it really is appreciated to everybody that has supported us from the 3rd of November when we came back. I think it was the Aberdeen game, wasn't it, John? The 2-0 one in the cup we, we talked about. Christy and El Yunus scored, I think. It was a rare, a rare good Celtic performance since Gigpo's returned. It's really been, I'm sure John will echo me, and everybody who has supported us, engaged with us, interacted, wanted to come on, especially the reaction for everybody wanting to come on and do the review stuff at the end of the season. That's going to be brilliant. I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm sure John is too, but... John, give me some of your highs and lows then for your return. Well, obviously the biggest highlight is getting to speak to you every week, Stephen. That's been a that's been a great highlight. So thanks for that. Thank you, brother. <laughs> obviously, talking to Big John Henderson was a, a highlight. A true sporting legend, of course. Doing the Celtic State of Mind uh, charity event was also a highlight. Well, people got to see the wonderful curtains that were uh, in the background. <laughs> On the pitch, what the cup final, and that wasn't even really a highlight. We nearly drew, blew a two goal lead against Hearts, but the pod after that was good. But no, it's been good to uh, have a chin wag with yourself, Stevie, on a regular basis. 
this time on the microphone and not just over the phone. And Gigpod will, of course, be back next year, next season. The new, uh, the new look Celtic, probably the same look Gigpod. But don't worry yet, fans, because as Stevie will tell us, we've got our all singing, all dancing, Sky Sports style end of season spectacular coming up. So Stevie, take it away. We do indeed, John. Now we're going to have the out of control music on. We're going to be talking about what happened with Celtic in the particular month with our guests, but we're also going to be talking about what happened in the world as well now. Probably the chances are for the majority of it, we can only say nothing because of COVID, but we'll do our very best to find something. And of course, a terrible individual passed away in April, so we'll try and make a wee joke about that. Or will we join the master in a tightrope on that one? Yes. Yellow card defence. Right, okay, that's not going to happen. But no, um, so the lineup for that is indeed myself and Rizzo are kicking it off in August and September. Hamish from 67 Hail Hail and a grand old podcast is going to be involved. After that, in October, it's Pod Tim's Tony. And then in November, it's Ryan Stephen F., the YouTube sensation. December is going to be Fatboy Beans, who is part of the Fit's Been Happening podcast. January is our very own Spunk Phone, who we have recruited in the it was in deadline day, wasn't it, really? Right. He came on board. And then February, Lee Hutchison John, who was a host uh, in February earlier this year, it would seem. That is something for him to talk about. It is, yes. Uh, good to get the prospect there, neutral. Aye, and then, in, of course, Spurs <laughs> Boy. Then in uh, March, we have Ryan McGinley coming on. And April is going to be Boys Analytics. And then in May, talking about this fucking... <laughs> Terrible, terrible end to the season is, of course, yourself, John. So, I, it's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to doing that. I think the audience will like it. Something different. We are the greatest here to go to Highlights of myself has probably been getting Spunk Foam on as well. It's been fantastic to have him. Different filter, of course, to yourself, John. But <laughs> I need somebody that can be a maverick on the podcast. Doesn't just stick to obeying the rules, shall we say. He's not a square. Somebody like he's, he's like the he's like the, the beef of both of them of Gigpod. Uh, it's, it's spunk phone, and I'm delighted to have him on board. That's been a that's been a high. Speaking to Jack Aitchison was class as well. Honestly, I would just say that the big one is just getting support for the people that listen. I mean, it's very easy to be snide, especially when you've got a horrible nasal voice like me. But people seem to be into the fact that we're regularly putting the podcasts out. In a way, John, we're all winners. But no, it's <laughs> yes. it's really it is genuinely really cool that people have been so into it and that's been the biggest high. Of course, the major low has been you with a stupid statue part of which I mean maybe in ten years' time if Gig Pod's still going, people uh, chip in to build a statue of yourself for providing providing humour to part of services. I was aimed that deserves a statue as my good self. This is it then, John. This has been episode forty five. That's that's us away. That's it. That's us away. So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Stevie, of course, for his contribution in this episode and every other episode, apart from the ones I've handled. Yeah, world class editor, of course. Of course, yes, exactly. And the music bed guy and the researcher is a one man show, apart from me, who's like the forty nine percent of Stevie's fifty one. Anybody who listens to Kipod will know that you know there's a, a unique choice of music that's on at the start and the end of the episodes most of the time and it's Olivier Derivier who does the Streets of Rage 4 soundtrack. Do you know that he actually replied to say feel free to use the music? Sensational. Thank you to him. A French legend. Indeed. If only with somebody at Celtic Park. 
But aye, so thanks to Stevie, uh, thanks to the listeners, of course. Without you, GigPod wouldn't exist. And you've been your support this season has been superb. Thanks to, of course, our good pals at Manscaped as well, who are a great bunch of lads. Uh, you know where to find us in the usual podcast platforms. Leave us a review anyway, five stars. Tell us how you've enjoyed listening this season. GigPod will be back, hopefully soon, with a Eddie Howe Emergency Break the Glass special. Steve Austin still hit that music. But uh, no, this is the last normal episode, so to speak, of the season. It's not been a great season, but Gig Pod has always been great. But we'll be back with our Sky Sports end of season review, month for month extravaganza in the next few weeks. Start with me and Steve in August. But thanks everybody for listening as always. I better hurry up because Stevie wants to watch Line of Duty. And we'll speak to you all soon. Celtic will be back, don't worry. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.